1: Bring, bring it back.
2: Bring it back. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host Kevin DeVries and as always if you'd like to reach us at the podcast you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com
0: Hi everybody, my name is Thomas Boff, I'm the uh, editor of wallsblog.com uh, you can log on and, and comment on what's going on with Wolves if that's of any interest to you. Uh, you can also get us on Twitter at Wolvesblog or at Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Wolvesblog.
1: Hi, I'm Jake Newcastle fan. You can get me on Twitter at Jake Jack with two Ns and I write for EPL Index. Hello,
3: my name is Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool and a Swedish website called
2: lfcsv.se. Fantastic. Thanks to all of you guys for coming on today. Uh, I wanted to talk about something that happened midweek, which was Manchester United uh, overturning their deficit and then um, Liverpool beating uh, Bayern Munich away in Germany for both of them to advance. Meaning that this year, all four Premier League clubs have advanced to the quarterfinals. This off the back of last season, when all five, because um, Chelsea were in there as well, uh, all of them made it to the round of 16. So another round further. All teams make it through both years this year. Like I said, to the quarterfinals. Do you guys think that this is the Premier League starting to catch up uh, to the other elite teams in Europe?
0: Um, I suppose, from from my perspective, I think it's probably more uh, that the the elite teams, the teams that you expect always to be in the semifinals, files as as your Real Madrids, your Bayern Munich they're they're at the end of their cycle, which is something they we were talking about on the on the t v coverage you know this Bayern Munich team is is at the end of its you know its life cycle. those players are aging the players that are coming in are decent quality players, but they're young and and they're not the caliber you know of players that have been in that team and the same for Real Madrid you know there's there's as well as Ronaldo going that some of the players who've been carrying that team for a few years are at the end of their sort of I think time at the the very top and pinnacle of football. So I think it's as much that as the Premier League teams um, getting better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think Liverpool and Man City are are a lot stronger. Um, Tottenham did superbly well against um, Dortmund, as I'm sure you'll know, Kev. You know, they've always got that performance in them. Um, and then Man United, you know, they they sort of rode the roller coaster a bit. You know, that was a surprising result. I Don't think many people saw that one coming. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's probably. A, more so that the teams, the elite teams, aren't perhaps as strong as they've been, uh, you know, from the other countries uh, as they have been in recent times, and then possibly the Premier League, the top two certainly getting just that little bit stronger.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. I think, uh, as Thomas said, a lot of the the top teams from across Europe are getting to an end of a cycle. Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, in particular, uh, the biggest ones. Uh, I also think that with the Premier League, it's just it's just so much money that the sub clubs have that they can just spend so much in transfer fees and wages and things like that. Whereas even you know Real Madrid and you can't, probably even Real Madrid don't have the the money that a Man City or a Manchester United have. Which it's not. It's, I think it's sort of been quite slow for the Premier League to get to this point in the in, in dominating Europe because it should have come a long long time before now, uh, considering the. The finances available. I think a lot of it has got to do with the the coaches that now operate in in England. Um, you know, you've got Jürgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, um, two of the top. You've seen as two of of sort of the top most innovative coaches now managing here. Obviously, Sarri got a lot of um, praise for what he did at Napoli. He's now managing in England, uh, and even lower down the the division. Um, Outside of those top clubs, you have, you know, Nuno at, at Wolves, who's managed you know uh, to a high standard in Por- in Portugal, and managed Valencia as well. Um, obviously, Benitez manages uh, my club, Newcastle. He, he's won the Champions League and managed at, at top clubs, and he's he's managing it, what we we are a relegation candidate in in England. And we've got to manage that good, managing us so even even when the top clubs cover up against the other clubs in the Premier League, they're still those sort of tactical th- tactical battles and and quality um, of coaching that means that, this, that we've probably developed quite a lot tactically over the last couple of years. Um, and I think that's been seen a lot in the way they've might been able to manage um, ties in Europe, and especially I think Liverpool were v- showed that the best out of the four clubs, sort of the way they they took a nil-nil but still managed to go away and and, and manage that tie very well so I think it's a lot of things going on mainly finances but I think that tactically uh, the Premier League has come on a lot over the last two or three years and that's mainly to do with the the managers that now operate within the league. Uh,
3: Yeah I agree with uh, both of you because the the biggest money is in the Premier League now so it's it's a natural development that the Premier League teams do well in Europe and uh, as you said the Best managers also want to come to Premier League, so it makes it uh, harder for teams like Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid to compete with the Euro- with uh, the Premier League teams. It also makes it harder for them to sign players from Premier League because it's a Liverpool supporter, I've been I've been used to selling players to Barcelona over the past years with uh, Suarez and Coutinho and so. And uh, these days, I don't fear that Salah would go to Real Madrid or uh, Barcelona because Liverpool is. Uh, It's a strong team with a lot of money, so it's easier to keep the players in the Premier League. And I think that uh, the same way with Tottenham, who lost many players like Modric and Bale a few years ago. And uh, nowadays, I think they can keep players like uh, Christian Eriksen and Harry Kane in uh, Premier League because of the money and and the way that they compete in Europe. Uh, It was the same situation about uh, 10, 15 years ago when we played the Champions League finals and uh, Chelsea played the Champions League finals and United were at the top um so it's always like that when real madrid and bayern munich and the teams need to rebuild i think that barcelona is going into that stage when um when messi when messi stops scoring goals for them so maybe it will be harder for uh, the bigger clubs in europe to get back to the top now because because of the money in the, the premier league so if you look at bayern munich as an example they were uh, they looked really tight against Liverpool, and it's, of course, not a good sign for them that Frankie Liberini is a starter in an important game, because it's been a few years since he was at his best. They need to rebuild, and it will be a lot harder for them now that the, the Premier League teams are so much stronger financially.
2: Yeah, all very good points there. I'm also curious to know if you guys think that the Premier League catching up with those clubs, whether it be because of their own growth or as many of you have said now, uh, really the regression of the rest, is it a good thing for the Premier League to have these teams going this deep in the tournament? Or is it just kind of further evidence of the separation that we've seen um, from kind of that top six from everybody else? Apologies, Thomas. (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I, I don't know. I mean... It's good for the Premier League. I mean, you know, it it's uh, an endorsement. I think it I think like um like Jake said, you know, it, it probably should have happened sooner. You know, there's that sense that there's so much money pouring into the Premier League that it's almost embarrassing that we haven't had the majority of teams uh, you know, in quarterfinals, semi finals, uh for a lot more of the years. Um and I think it, it's probably a, a positive that you know, because the the if the if the Premier League's dominated by, you know, four to four to six teams, and the Champions League really has been dominated by two or three teams in the last ten years, really hasn't it? I mean, you, you're looking at Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. I mean, those those, those teams really have, have constantly, you know, they've had a stronghold on the competition, really. So it's I think it's a positive for European competition that that those teams are being challenged. Um, don't think you want to see. Real Madrid winning it three, you know, two three times on the bounce. Um, so I say it's a positive for the the Champions League. Um, whether it's I don't, I don't really know, one way or another, if it if it's a benefit to the Premier League. Um, I suppose I'm personally I'm I'm always happy to see to see our teams advance and go further in the competition. Um, and I actually don't think it it signals to me anyway that the, the top four necessarily. Widening the gap between from them to the rest. I actually, I actually think what Jake said is quite sound. That the Premier League is becoming more tactically astute, and I think that flows down beyond the top four or six. I think if you look at a team like Wolves, you know we've got a very good coach, uh, we've got owners who are willing to put money in, and I think there's a few clubs in that situation you who, know, in the coming years, could actually bridge that gap. You know, through clever recruitment, um, investment, good coaching. I actually look at it now and think, actually, yeah, that 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 top four and that top six could actually be challenged. Not necessarily by Wolves. I mean, obviously, I've got a bias there, but but by but by any clubs, because you know, there's there's so much draw to the Premier League. Lots of clubs can attract top coaches and top players.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if it's a good thing for the Premier League or not. I guess if for the brand, it's it's good. Um, it's it's only likely to. To attract a higher calibre of player in the future, if if our teams are the ones dominating in European competition as well, um, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. I don't really, I don't really get too much pleasure out of seeing English teams do well, and it's thought that I don't want them to do well. It just doesn't really bother me at all. Doesn't, do, yeah, just doesn't affect me. Um, I think Thomas is right in saying that I don't think that the top six are that far, or or at least you know impossible um for other teams to compete up there because i think it is possible and i think wolves although he's been slightly uh trying not to be too biased i think wolves are the ones best place to do that given the the structure they've got in place um odor wise and, and on the, on the coaching staff and the money that's available means they're probably the, the best place to compete and even you know in their first season in the premier league they, they're 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 beating, uh, or at least uh, beating those top six teams, and, and and I haven't seen a game yet where they haven't really uh, competed uh, in against those top six teams. So I think they've they've they're definitely the ones. But yeah, I think it's a good thing um, on the whole. But yeah, that's, for me as a Newcastle fan, I don't really see much much of a. Um, I yeah, I don't really, not really too bothered. I, I think there was a point where there was a coefficient. Sort of interest for even those clubs, sort of in the lower yeah. half of the league, where we might have lost the Europa League spot or something. But I think that's <clears throat> that's now impossible due to the changes in the the rules regarding that. So yeah, it's, yeah, I guess I guess it's good, but it's, it, I think if anything, the Premier League's growth it, it, is is going to jeopardize, you know, the the league in itself, because I think these top European clubs want a bit of that money. Uh, and whether that means the Champions League is going to move on to Saturdays, which I've seen has been touted, or if there's going to be a European Super League at some point, I think they're the more likely um, results of of Premier League clubs dominating in Europe than than any sort of benefit to, to the Premier League in the long term, especially the clubs that aren't in those top six.
3: Yeah, I think that the success in Europe will make the league even more interesting for big players and big managers. And if the team's behind the top six that we have right now makes the right recruitments. Maybe this is the chance for them to compete with the top teams. But of course, uh, if the money gets bigger for uh, the top teams, maybe it will be harder for teams like Wolves and Leicester and so to fight for uh, for the European spot. But uh, the quality of the league will be better. But um, I fear that the gap between uh, us in the top and the teams behind will be even bigger because if you look at this season, we've lost one game and uh, I'm used to being nervous for um, every game when Liverpool play. And now when we play the team from the bottom half away, I almost expect us to win. And that's something new to me. Maybe it's because Liverpool have a really good season. But um, I fear that the gap between the teams at the top and the teams at the bottom will uh, will grow. Uh, but on the other hand, the money is, they're all there's already big money in the Premier League and uh, you see the teams at the bottom signing players that the top teams in uh, Italy almost can't do. So with the right recruitment, it just, it isn't necessarily something bad that uh, the Premier League teams go far in Europe. But um, I fear that uh, maybe in the season coming up, we will see Liverpool, City, United, Chelsea, all... Almost, they will uh, drop points against each other and uh, win against the team behind them. And uh, that takes away a bit of the excitement because these these weeks I watch Manchester City every week and hope they will lose points, but I'm almost sure that they won't because the gap between them and the teams uh, at the bottom half is too big. And uh, if the money keeps coming, I fear that the gap might grow.
2: Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see, especially Jake's thing about the Super League. The, the only reason why I think that that is bound to not happen is how would some of these Super Clubs take to losing far more regularly instead of just being able to kind of be the big fish in smaller ponds. But, um, it, you know, that might be the eventual effect of this. Um, but for now, I, I think it is probably a net positive for the Premier League. But um it's easy to see why fans of clubs outside of that top six don't really see the benefit to it other than just the clout of the league um being improved all right uh next up we'll talk a little fa cup since uh like the weekend was split between premier league and fa cup the show may as well be as well Uh, it is worth noting that this question was written when Millwall were two nil up with like 10 minutes left i think um but uh what do you guys think was the most surprising fa cup result this weekend
0: Um, well, it wasn't Man City beating Swansea. Uh, I think we can safely chalk that one up. Although I suppose at 2-0 down at half time, you could say that was the most, and that could have been one of the more unlikely results, although most people probably still thought they'd win. Uh, I don't think it was Watford beating Palace. And I don't think it was probably... Brighton beating Millwall in a penalty shootout, even though they were 2-0 down. So I think, unfortunately, <laughs> the most surprising result is probably Walls beating Man United. But for me, it wasn't a massive surprise. And I don't think, really, it should be considered a huge surprise. I mean, I know that sounds really painfully arrogant uh, to say that. As a, I don't as know, a- even a as
2: neutrals. I mean, you've, you've picked up some pretty big scalps this season.
0: Yeah, we have, and... and you know what, I mean, I put in my preview, you can log onto my blog and you can see the preview I wrote for the match. And I said, we've got a chance in this game and not, and not a kind of, if Man United don't turn up, we could scrape the win. I thought we've just got a chance of outplaying them. And, and, and actually I think on the balance of the game, we outplayed them. I think for the first 20, 30 minutes, they did what the top sides do. They rotated the ball quickly and they, they looked quite sharp and we were struggling to get a foothold in the game. Um, you know, but that changed. You know, and in the second half, we took control of that game, and we and we took our chances, and um, and deservedly came out on top. So, to seem uh, to answer your question, uh, I don't think there was any shocks in the FA Cup this weekend. But I think if you're looking for one, it was probably wall beating Man United.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree. I don't really think that was that big of a shock, considering some of the results that the Wolves have had this season, uh, even previously in the FA Cup. You know, knocking out Liverpool, I think that's a, a bigger shock than knocking out United, who um, you know, they 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 are making progress under Solskjaer, but I still don't still don't think they're they're one of the the very you know top two or three teams in in this country. Um, they're still very fallible, and I think they've had a lot of luck to go to go alongside the the good football that has been played, uh, especially in the in the uh, that PSG game. There's quite a lot of luck, and I think it's you know sometimes teams go on these runs, and and, and this might be a wake up call for them, you know, showing them that they've still got a long way to go before they become that top force that they want to be again. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was that big of a shock. Uh, you could. You I guess it even though they didn't win, um, you could say Swansea get you know, being um play, um going two 0 up against City you know, losing three two was was a, sh- a bit of a shock even if the result wasn't a shock. The actual the, the, the phase of the game was quite a shock and just a, a question that I had off the off the top of that game that I thought was interesting. Um that the in the FA Cup it there wasn't VAR in that game at, at Swansea yet yeah, it was it was Available at the Wolves game, do, do do you know the rest? of you think that's that fair? That in the same competition, that there's technology available at one Ground in the same at the same round of the competition, and not another? Because I thought it's it's quite questionable. Because I think you could you could maybe you know go far to say that if it was available, the penalty might not have been given. I thought that that was debatable. Maybe not a clear and obvious error, but. Wasn't the clearest penalty for me. Uh, and, and then following that, you know, you had the, the goal at the end, which, which probably should have been disallowed for offside. So mm. if, if VAR was available, we might have had a different result in that. We may have had that big shock that we, we did like to discuss right now that, that we don't really have to discuss. <laughs>
2: I yeah. very much appreciate you, Jake, for, for pivoting that question. And I will also add that in the discussion of should VAR be at every stadium, VAR was in place at the Liberty Stadium last season when they played Tottenham. It, so it, it's fully capable of doing it uh i spoke with gitto after that match because we were hoping he'd be able to come on and he was saying that the reasoning uh that they heard was that because swansea isn't a premier league ground that that's why they did not have var there
0: yeah i mean i, I think it's it's a foot you can look at it one of two ways i think one way to look at it would be well whether it's there or not it's the same for both teams so you know if it just so happened that man city were pressing and they forced those decisions and they had the benefit of the doubt you know he could have you know it's the same for both teams it's not like Man City had VAR and Swansea didn't so you could say well there's no you know you kick off with the same set of rules that's the way it is but it's an interesting question in terms of why why have it at some grounds and not at others definitely um, it seems a very strange way of implementing it into a competition Um, and I think it probably tells you about how much the the fa cup is is valued generally <laughs> because um, i don't see Lou in the premier league next season saying oh yeah we'll just we'll put it in the top 4 you know the, the the top 6 teams at home can have it and then everyone else we won't have it you know there's not a gradual rollout um, so it probably tells you more about the competition than the uh you know anything else
3: yeah i agree of course it's the the game starts the same for both teams but the ideal Way was to have it at uh, every arena. And I think that the VAR question is, uh, is quite important for English football and Premier League for the next season because we've seen many many referees making mistakes in the past weeks. And uh, I'm not sure that VAR will save them from making mistakes, but uh, something needs to be done because uh, it, start, it starts to get a bit annoying to see those decisions week in and week out. And the discussions about football isn't uh, as common as it should be because we always have uh, referee, dis- referee discussions after the game. And uh, I don't like that. But uh, if you look at the, the FA Cup results this weekend, I agree with you both. It wasn't uh, many surprising results. Of course, if uh, City had lost, it would have been the big one. I couldn't watch that game. But from what I've heard, they were quite lucky with the referee. and uh, in the, But in the end, they did uh, enough to win. Of course, it would have been fun to see Swansea go through, and especially since the, their Swedish goalkeeper, Kristoffer Nordfeldt got a rare start, and I heard that he did well. Uh, but um, it's good news for Liverpool that City get to play even more games, so hopefully that will make them even more tired physically and mentally and drop some points in the league. I was not uh, surprised at all that Wolves knocked uh, United out. I think Manchester United has have overachieved uh, with Solkjaer, even though they have won many games, they haven't impressed too much in the way that they played and uh, they were extremely lucky against uh, PSG and I think they've been lucky in a few games in the league as well, so I think we we'll see them lose uh, more games in the upcoming weeks and um, Wolves is a very good team, they knocked us out and um, now they did the same thing against Manchester United um, to lose away against Wolves isn't strange at all they have been uh, beating top teams many times this season and uh, I think that the the cup is a chance for them to win the title so that they are motivated and beat Manchester United. It was no surprise at all. Uh, the way that Brighton fought back today was maybe the most surprising, surprising thing during this uh, FA Cup weekend. So results-wise,
2: uh, I don't think there was any surprises at all. Mm. So it turns out it was a pretty bad question. Um, I do agree with you guys um, that... Uh, Swansea in in that like 10 to 15 minute spell especially that second goal that they scored was just a fantastic fantastic goal I mean you don't see many clubs pulling City apart like that maybe a small part of it would be them over or underestimating their opposition Um, but that Mm -hmm. was fantastic but uh on the VAR stuff agreed it it should just be everywhere um and, and we'll continue to see it implemented and people will continue to be frustrated by it and we'll get on to uh one of those decisions when we get to thomas we tend to try to not address uh, individual issues at the top of the show here but it certainly went to show that there will still be plenty of debate uh even when var is implemented and that a lot of people are not seeing the rules the same way and that certainly will not change when var is implemented either all right we will take a quick break and then we'll be back with club specific questions for each of our guests well, that wasn't too long, uh, Thomas, because we're going to start with you um, and, and we'll kind of walk through that uh, match, if you don't mind, um, from the beginning to end. And then afterwards, uh, we'll try to get into this yellow, uh, red-turned-yellow situation that, that seemed to cause a bit of a uproar at the time. Yeah, so uh, Thomas, just walk us through what was another big win for Wolves this season.
0: Well, I think I kind of touched on it in my previous re- reply, you know, um, we went into the game i I felt with a very good chance of of coming out with the win um we we've got a very specific way of setting up and frustrating teams um we did it at Stamford bridge last week where Chelsea just never looked like they were going to get through us until Hazard just did produced a moment of magic they caught us a bit cold with a short corner and and he did it but i just i you look at that man united team and I think it was a a bonus before the game started to hear that Lukaku wasn't playing um, because I thought that meant that they would probably go with uh, Rashford and Martial, who were you know, undoubtedly very talented players, but they're hit and miss players. They could have two or three bad games um, and they can be ineffective. And I just thought without a proper centre forward, that Man United would probably have similar problems to Chelsea um, in getting through our, our defence and midfield screen. And that's how it proved, you know. They had some good combination play in the early parts of the game. But they didn't really penetrate or get through to some long-range shots. Uh, and I think in the second half, you saw Wolves' confidence grow. Um, they got on the ball more in Man United's half. matinho got into the game. And when he gets into the game, he brings the forward players into the game. And from there, everything just builds. And it was just a typical Wolves performance. You know, Jimenez produced a smart finish for the goal, And then it was counter-attacking football, and Jota did what what he's been doing phenomenally well over the second half of the season.
2: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Better to get thirty, thirty. to get thirty. Better to get twenty, twenty,
3: twenty. to get twenty, twenty. to get fifteen, 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 fifteen. Just fifteen bucks a month. So, give it a
2: try at mintmobile.com/slash switch.
3: Forty five dollars upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Since he's moved up front alongside Jimenez. And that's breaking and it's, you know, it's a fantastic goal and a fantastic, uh, you know, win for Wolves. Um, so, um, so, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say, really. I mean, the, you know, the, the, thankfully the the VAR decision, the sending off was kind of a trivial thing in the end. Cause it didn't really make any difference that they, they kept 10 men on the pitch. Um, they got a consolation goal, obviously, but, um, you know, there was barely time to kick off by that point. So, um, so yeah, just a fairly un- unerringly kind of routine win, really.
2: Yeah, then there was a significant incident towards the end. Lindelof gets shown the red card by the referee. Then it goes to VAR. It's reduced to yellow. Um, Jake referenced earlier uh, that he didn't know if the oh. uh, city penalty w- was a clear error by the referee. Same kind of thing here. I was a little surprised to see that overturn. What was your thought of it at the time?
0: Well, sat in the stands... I thought definite red card um, because you can see, okay, he comes through and takes the ball, but he comes through and take, he goes through the player to take the, to take the ball out. And the challenge seems quite high to me. I don't think it's a malicious challenge. I just think it's a very reckless challenge. So you're looking for, there's two things he could be sent off for, reckless challenge and and, um, excessive force. And, And, you know, I felt both of those things, were, you know were were definitely you know he was worthy of it that challenge and I don't think as you you point out it's not a definite mistake I, I'm just surprised that you know he was happy to overturn it and yeah I mean I suppose I've seen it back and uh, I I don't really my view hasn't changed I think it was a clumsy tackle I think it was a bit of a nasty tackle so yeah but it's you know these things are a uh, are about opinions I mean you're probably better off asking the other two guys if they've seen the tackle and what they think of it but um I am surprised as you, as you say Kev that they they overturned it because it didn't look like a clear mistake
2: the other thing I want to talk to you that's been prevalent in this uh FA Cup run has been the rotation of goalkeepers um do you think that that's something that you'd like to see stuck with or at a certain point do you just wish Patricio would stay in
0: um I don't think I think John Ruddy's a capable goalkeeper um, and I just think it's a, um, you know, it's a natural thing. Man United have been doing it, obviously. They had Romero in goal last night. And he made some fantastic saves. Uh, he's been very good for them throughout the, the cup competition. OK, probably got beaten a bit easily for that second goal for Wolves. But um, I think it's just part and parcel of the FA Cup, isn't it? I mean, we were doing what every team does, Premier League team, in the early rounds against Shrewsbury. And, and we rotated our team rounds um it's just that's just the nature of the competition isn't it and if you're gonna have a he sat on your bench it's 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 tough isn't it that you're not you're not going to give him any minutes whatsoever um I don't think he will bring Patricio back in now I mean uh you know a point that's worth making is that Nuno himself was a goalkeeper uh, and he was a reserve goalkeeper for much of his career um so I think he understands that position better than a lot of people um, but I don't think we'll see Patricio back in goal for the semi-final and indeed the final if we make it. And I don't think there's such a chasm in ability between our two goalkeepers that I would be I would be worried about it. So um, so not really an issue for me.
2: Gotcha. All right, Jake, coming to you now uh, to talk a little bit about Newcastle. Uh, You you had a very interesting match against uh, Bournemouth there. A a lot of uh, heavy challenges in the first half as well, but you do manage to pull out a draw. Considering your home form, is it pretty much just any away points at this uh, point in the season will just further ensure your safety?
1: Uh, I don't don't know if that's the attitude to take. I think we need to go into every game trying to win it. Uh, And I think Benitez's comments after the game sort of showed that he was quite angry about some of the decisions that the referee made and and the, you know, I think he asked is at one point gained and he thought it was two points dropped and I'd probably have to agree on that. I thought we were the better team and we probably should have managed the game a little bit better. Uh and if Mike Dean doesn't give the penalty, which you know, it's one of those where there's, it. you know, you can make a case for it being a penalty, but you could also make a case of if, if that's a penalty, you're going to be given 10 a game. So it's one of those that you, 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 you get sometimes, especially if you're a big club or if you're at home, they're the type of penalties you get. And it was just unfortunate that it happened at the time when it did. Uh, I think we could have had a penalty ourselves for a tackle on Yedlin, where the ball had already gone, admittedly. But if it was anywhere else in the pitch, you'd have got a foul. So, yeah, I'd say, I think it was what we didn't get decisions Um and, and yeah, we you know to get a point late on like we did is, is a positive one, and, and obviously any away point is is got to seem to be positive, especially when you're where we are in the league. But you know, I think we've got a manager that looks at looks at matches in a different way to to both clubs at the bottom of the league, and he'll be wanting to win as many as possible. And I think that was one we could have won uh, and maybe should have won if things had gone our way a little bit more. But yeah, it didn't. But yeah, it's still a good point, and it, it maintains our positive momentum going into the final nine games uh, is it seven ga- you know how many games we've got left I think it's seven or eight it's not many um, but yeah it keeps it keeps us you know going in the in the right direction and last year we finished this season strongly and uh, and I fully expect us to do similar this year mm.
2: Uh, also we haven't had you on since uh, the Longstaff injury obviously he was coming through playing very well did manage to get a goal to his name uh, before then but sounds like he'll be out for the rest of the season I know Key played for him that first week after the injury uh, do you think that that's the best solution for the rest of the season would you like to see him get
1: more minutes where do you think you should go there in that midfield spot um, yeah it's disappointing that Longstaff got injured when he did uh, obviously done very well up to that point and was looking like a really, really good player and one that could nail down a, a spot in the team. And, and I fully expected to do that in, in future years. But if there was any position where we're well covered, it is that one. Um, you know, we, we've we had Key come in. We've had Diame play. Um, Hayden's obviously doing very well. And we've got John Joe Shelby slowly coming back in. Uh, and I think it's Shelby that I'd quite like to see play there uh, going forward. It's just because he just offers so much more than the rest of them uh, in possession. Uh, and he's just yeah when he's when he's on his game he's 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 very good to watch and I think Hayden is a little bit more of a, a dis- disciplined midfielder who can sit there uh, and do a lot of the defensive work so it's, it suits quite well with Shelby. And it's a it's a partnership that worked well when we won the championship so I think that's probably where Benitez is going to go and I think this final run it'll be quite important for Shelby. Uh he's been missing for quite a lot of the season. Needs some big performances sort of just to play his way back into the team and, and into Benitez thinking for the long term or, you know, whoever will be Newcastle manager next year. as There have been plenty of rumours over these this past week. But, yeah, he needs he he needs a good finish to the season just to remind everybody what he can do. Uh, and I think he's going to be the one that gets given a lot of the minutes, uh, especially after he came on yesterday and, and did very well in turning the game. I think he was quite important in, in uh, when the game went down to 2-1, he came on and played very well in the, those close stages. Yeah, I think he's the one that I'd quite like to see um, play there long term.
2: Interesting. And then also, a lot of times when we have you on, there's a lot of drama happening at Newcastle between the owner and the manager and potential buyouts and all that kind of stuff. It seems to be hitting a lull. Is that just uh, what's happening isn't leaking out into the national media, or do things gen- genuinely seem to have calmed down at the moment?
1: Yeah, I think it's generally accepted now that Mike Ashley's going to be the owner for the foreseeable future. So we're going to have to see where that takes us. Um, What that means for Benitez, I'm not sure. Uh, Plenty of rumours about that. I think there will be talks at the end of the season. I still think he's more likely to stay than not, but obviously it's not certain by any means. And We've been linked to to Leon's manager in this past week in in French media. I think it's one that is more the, the... his his agent trying to push it to try and get a new deal at Leon because I think it's coming up. But we've been used as as the name in in that sort of media story, probably because yeah we've got uncertainty over our manager position, so it makes sense. But yeah, I, I, it's not it's not really a lot going on to be honest that that I could talk about. I just I just think it's going to be more of the same, and it's all about those talks with Benitez at the end of the season um, and how they go could go either way. I'm still quite confident he'll stay because I don't really see where else he's going to go. But it's, it's not certain with Mike Ashley as owner. And if he left, I don't think anybody would would say he's wrong for leaving because I think he'd, he'd be in his right to, to say, look, I've done a good job here for three years, got you back up to the Premier League, kept you there for two years. And, and, and now I, if you're not going to push on with me, I don't want to be manager. and That would be a completely understandable stance to have. But I think he's still, still quite like... Managing uh, the club, and I think he's going to stay, but we'll, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any major changes in terms of owners or anything like that, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, well, just kind of
2: as you are then uh, over at Newcastle, uh, Thomas coming to you now to talk a little bit about Liverpool. Um, today, kind of scrape out a 2 1 win against Fulham. Uh, Salah a little bit off the pace uh, at a glance again today. Um, are you at all concerned about this? Maybe just tired legs? It just doesn't seem like he's been up to his usual terrific self of late.
3: Yeah, I have to say I'm a bit concerned about him because it looks like it's got into his head now. Um, today he made a few bad decisions, and uh, when it comes to one on one against the defenders, it's not the same style as last season. Uh, when we played United, Luke Shaw looked like the best left back in the league. Today it was Joe Bryan, who looked like a great left back. And it's both times against Mohamed Salah. Last season he made the defenders look like beginners. But uh, this season, it's, uh, especially after Christmas, it's been, a, it's been a big difference. It doesn't matter too much now because Sadio Mane is playing uh, at his best for a very long while. Uh, but uh, we all know that uh, Mane... He uh, he's, he, play, he scores in a, maybe 10, 12 games and then doesn't score for a while. And uh, if that happens now, we need Salah back at his best. Of course, he creates chances. And uh, against Bayern Munich, he was very good. And the assist to Mane's second goal was, uh, was maybe more difficult than uh, most of the goals that he has scored this season. And uh, he was very good in the game before, Fulham as well. But uh, today, he looked a bit... Uh, I am concerned about the way that he acted at the field when he was when he got the goal-scoring opportunities. He had a great chance in the end when Mania played him uh, free against the goalkeeper, and then he shot just at the goalkeeper. And uh, the way that he last season he felt that he could uh, hit the bottom the the corner with no problems at all, and now every time he shoots, it's in the middle of the goal. So I'm a bit worried that. Um, that his form can uh, cost us a few points in the league. We need him to be as good as he was last season in the running if we want to compete with Manchester City. And uh, now it looks a bit. Um, now I'm a bit scared that we that he won't be there. So um, hope I was hoping for him to score today because last season he scored many goals against the team in the bottom half. Uh, and uh, today he should have scored maybe one or two goals and. Uh, then we could stop talk about this problem. But uh, for every game that he doesn't score, the problem is uh, gets bigger and bigger. Of course, we win the games, so as long as we win, it's not a huge problem. But uh, we have played a few draws lately, and uh, I don't think we would have done that if uh, Salah would have been in his best shape.
2: Yeah, fortunately for you though, Sadio Mane has been stepping up in a big way. Um do you view this as just kind of continual development for Mane or do you think this is just a bit of a purple patch for him? I think we'll see
3: um see what's happening there happening in the upcoming games because as I said earlier, he usually have these uh, streaks where he scores for a, a few games and then uh, then he misses the opportunities for a few game for the next games. Now he has scored 11 goals in the past 11 games and uh, if he keeps on playing like that, of course, maybe it's a it's a development in his uh, abilities. Because if we saw the the first goal against Bayern Munich was a world class performance that we haven't seen from him before, in the way that he controlled the ball, he spotted Neuer behind him, he turned around, and he and he found the goal without uh, do, making any hasty decisions. So I think that he has uh, developed a bit in his um, in his finishing uh, in the past months i think he looks a bit more um, relaxed when he gets the goal scoring opportunities of course that's uh, partly up to partly because he has uh, scored a few goals uh, but it would be interesting to see what happens in the upcoming months because uh, he usually have a, a month or two months uh, in the seasons where he looks like a world-class world class performer and then in uh, he have uh, five games to six games where he where he can't hit the goal so I hope that he will keep on playing like this because as long as uh, Salah doesn't score, we need him at his best. And I don't think Firmino has been on top of his performances in the past games either. So it's good for us to have uh, Mane in form and I hope he stays like this at least until
2: May. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I think there are some parallels between Son and Mane, especially when you're saying can be world class for like two months and then just kind of disappear there for a while. Um, but uh, it seems like it's working out for you at the moment. And then maybe Salah will find his footing by the time Mane kind of comes back to earth a little bit. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is obviously you uh, beat Bayern after being 0 nil after the first leg. Um, then you obviously win today. Obviously, any manager is always going to say you're going to be chasing both competitions. But as a fan, would you rather see you... Push harder to try to win the Premier League title, or to try to see if you can't capture in Europe what you just missed out on last season.
3: Well, um, if I have to choose, I would definitely go for the Premier League title because for me that's the that's the big thing. I I started to support Liverpool in the early nineties, so I've never seen them win the Premier League. Um, I have experienced the Champions League title and I've seen us play in a few finals, but I've never, I've never seen a Liverpool player lift the Premier League trophy and uh, that is what I've been dreaming for since uh, I've started to to watch Premier League in Liverpool. So I would definitely go for the Premier League title. But I think that uh, as a player and as Liverpool Klopp also, I think that... Uh, the Champions League title is just as big as the Premier League title, but I think that many of us supporters want to win the title more. For me, living in Sweden, wanting to win the Premier League title more, I can't even imagine what the supporters living in Liverpool and England feels for the for the titles. So I think uh, from a support view, I think the Premier League title is the most important one. But of course, I hope that we have the squad to compete for both.
2: Mm. And getting some some bodies back, uh, any word on when uh, Ox will be back now?
3: From what I've heard, uh, both uh, Oxley-Chamberlain and Diogo Gomez should be ready to play against Spurs after the internationals. So that looks
2: sounds promising. Yeah, that'll definitely be a very interesting match for many, many reasons. Uh, but we will get to that at some <laughs> other time. Uh, now we'll move on to Player Watch, where we're just going dis- to discuss who you think was your club's player of the week in your most recent match. We'll start off with you, Thomas and Wolves.
0: Um, <clears throat> I think if we're talking about the FA Cup, which I'm sure we are, then I will have to go with Giammatinho, Um the bloke is just incredible I mean what a player I I said to my dad last night we've got Neves and Matinho in midfield Man United had uh, Herrera and Matic either side of Pogba and you know I wouldn't swap Neves and Matinho for Herrera and Matic no way I mean I just (laughs) I just think we've got two better players I mean that's crazy to think but I just think they are that good and Martinho in particular has just been fantastic the longer the season's gone on the better he's got i was worried when we signed him at 32 that he may have come for that you know big paycheck and but obviously you know i should have known better this is a high caliber international midfielder who's got over 100 caps for portugal uh, you know played in elite competitions he, he's not come to make up numbers he's come because he he wants to taste the premier league and be part of a good side and he was just phenomenal um, yesterday in the second half. He just—it's not just his ability to pass and always pick the right option and always keep the ball. Um, it's his tenacity out of possession, how much he how he starts the press, how he closes down and tackles and wins the ball high up the pitch. It's just phenomenal. And if you look at the the Jimenez goal, the first goal that got's on the way, he actually beat two or three players. Very uncharacteristic of him to dribble into the box. Um as he did but, but that set the tone and he was just fantastic and, and with him in the team you've, you've just always got a chance
2: Alright and for
1: Jake who stood out for you for Newcastle Yeah it's a difficult one there's a few good performances but there wasn't anybody that really really stood out for me uh, I thought Almiron was good, uh, but probably the best the best player for me was was Salomon Rondon as he has been for for many matches this season. Just he's just a very very good striker. Uh, held the held the ball up very well against Bournemouth. Um, I don't think there's a better striker in the Premier League holding the ball up, uh, and that's probably why he thrives so well in our system because we do play to his strengths. Uh, just his work rate, uh, uh, he just has a touch of quality as well as as we saw of his goal. I don't think many people expected him his free kicks to 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 be that valuable for us this season. I don't think we'd really seen him take them that many in the past. But I think everyone he's taken for us has either hit the post or pulled a great save out of the keeper or gone in as it did on Saturday. So he's he's obviously got that to his game as well, which wasn't that well known before the season. But he's very very good. Um, he's, you know he's scored that he's he's now scored his most most goals in the Premier League season. So although we are Seen as a defensive team, we're obviously bringing the best out of him and he's playing some really good football. and I just hope that he stays next season. But from what I'm reading about what our transfer policy is going forward, it, you know, Newcastle having a transfer policy is ridiculous because we don't really spend any money as it is. But I think Mike Ashley wants to, to target younger players um, with a sell on value uh, as he did at the start of his his reign was sort of like Kabai and Sissoko, probably the best examples. So yeah, it looks like Rondon is not going to be signing for us permanently, which is a shame. And I think it's, it's, it could be something that really turns in those talks of Benito as well, because I know he'll want to sign him permanently. But if we don't, another Premier League club or another club uh, in Europe will be getting a very, very good striker because he's, I don't think there are many better outside the top six. I think him, him, and and, and him and Ez are the two for me that just stand out in terms of quality outside the top six. So yeah, I think he, hopefully we get him full time, but you know, I don't think we will. So somebody else will be getting, like I say, a very very good striker.
2: That must be pretty disappointing considering how how good he's been for you this year. Pretty easily, your leading your leading goal scorer, right?
1: yeah he is uh, I think Perez has got a few as well now, but yeah he's he's obviously been the the one scoring the 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 line share of the goals so <laughs> it's not i mean everybody everybody on this podcast knows football and it it's not rocket science that you'd want to sign a player like that, especially if you're a team like Newcastle with a player uh, given that the player's already at the club shown he can do well and has interest in signing a a permanent contract, but things aren't that simple with my and he's seen the the pounds and the pennies and the the long-term, you know, profit value, which there isn't any on Salah Rondon, unfortunately. So, yeah, shame. But we'll, we'll see. Hopefully Rafa, can, if he signs his contract, can can get Rondon in as well uh, as part of that. Part of his sort of bargaining power, but we'll see how that goes, because I'm not too hopeful of that.
2: Mm. Well, hopefully it does, because every now and again, him and Almiron connect really well and, and look really dangerous. Um, finishing up with you, Thomas, with Liverpool. Uh, who stood out for you today for Liverpool? Well, uh, the game against Fulham
3: today, I don't think there was anybody who was particularly <laughs> good. Uh, Sadio Mane scored a good goal, but uh, apart from that, the players looked quite sloppy. And uh, maybe it was uh, they were mentally tired for the, from the game against Bayern Munich. But uh, the the most impressive performance was uh, maybe the way that James Milner scored the penalty because his first action when he came onto the pitch was to create the the opportunity for Fulham that. Led to the equalizer. Then he had a few passes that was uh, into the uh, again to an opponent. So he hadn't made he hadn't made one thing good for before uh, the penalty. So I was sure that he would miss the penalty. But um, he was he uh, he looked confident when he scored, and that uh, that was impressive. Apart from that, I think that uh, most of our players were very happy to grind out three points from that game without playing particularly good. The the player who impressed me most was a former Liverpool player, actually, because I thought that uh, Ryan Babel looked a lot better now for Fulham than he did when he played for Liverpool a few years ago. (laughs) So I wasn't surprised that he scored the goal because he was quite good. And um, Alexander-Arnold had big problems with him in the first half. And uh, that wasn't Alexander-Arnold's only problem because he couldn't hit the pitch with his uh, crosses today. He had a very bad game, uh, but uh, from the starting players, none of them, none of them were very good. But uh, we won the game, and I guess that's a sign of a good team that we that we can win even when we don't, even when we don't play well. So it's not easy to play in the Champions League at a big uh, stadium in front of the whole world on a Wednesday, and then go to Fulham, who's almost sure to be uh, relegated, and uh, and win. So. I, have, I guess it's uh, impressive from the team to win, but uh, the players, well, they did what they had to do,
2: but not done anything more. Fair enough, and we will leave it there. So guys, if you'd like to tell the folks where they can find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, as always, keeping up to date everything to do with Wolves at uh, Wolvesblog.com or give us a shout on uh, Twitter at Wolvesblog or on Facebook.com forward slash Wolvesblog.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening. You get me uh, on Twitter at with Twins and that is where I post anything that I'm involved with. So, yeah, just keep an eye out.
3: Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm uh, Thomas Nygren. You can find me on Twitter at Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool for lfcsv.se. Most of the content is in Swedish, but we usually have a few texts each week in English. Uh, I'm also a regular at the Total Liverpool podcast, which also is in Swedish, but uh If you want to learn Swedish, it's a good way to start.
2: (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Uh, Go check out all of those three guys' stuff. Um, Thanks again for joining us today. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.
3: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ,